and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, he files his taxes as a journalist. Technically, though, he is a Major League Baseball free agent. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. Uh, looks like the day this runs will be tax day. I should probably uh, get that done. Well, get it done or get an extension because I don't know. May, you're around the team. Are are you available? Are you available? I, I am available. Injuries? Guess what? I can I can play infield. You know, I, <laughs> I I don't know how well I played at the major league level. Couldn't be that much worse than Lily Castro, right? Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, just, just a, just a very quick side note. The reason I, I, I said that is because I went to high school with a guy. I've mentioned Langston College before. It's very quick. I mentioned mentioned Langston College before. Went to high school with a guy who, you know, he was just an average high school football player, and then he went to Langston College. He got a scholarship, quote unquote. Uh, they just paid for his books. It was sort of like his mom, sort of, you know campaign for that if if you want and after he graduated after maybe having 30 carries for Langston College on his LinkedIn NFL free agent after he graduated college so technically I'm an NFL I mean, we're free all, agent we're, we're all NFL free agents yeah I'm an MLB free agent as well and so are you so if if, if you want I I just think the Tigers are in dire need, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you could help them out. That's all I'm saying. I mean, look, I could not hit. They could find someone better than me, but I would hope that they could find someone to play infield. And this is where we're going to start because I thought this week was one of the more confounding things uh, in recent memory, or at least since, since AJ Hinch and company have taken over the Tigers played what day is it? They played uh, Saturday's game with 27 men, and rosters are currently at 28. They basically played man down uh, because Javi Baez, they decided to put him on IL, you know, like 30 minutes before the game, maybe a little longer before that, but, you know, close to game time. Um, announcement. The announcement, and I don't know why, you know, if they had wanted to wait, they could have they could have done it the day before, they could have waited, or... They had already been playing with Baez unavailable, and they played three days with Robbie Grossman unavailable. They had Daz Cameron with the team on the taxi squad in case Grossman ended up hitting Nile. They did not carry an infielder. And the Tigers played two games, Friday and Saturday, where if Jonathan Scope would have, uh, I don't know, pulled a hammy or something, I have no idea what would have happened in the middle infield. They did not have, Harold Castro was in the lineup already, uh, Saturday, they had Austin Meadows, Victor Reyes, and uh, Kiel Badu on the bench. And they had, what, I think uh, Dustin Garneau or Tucker Barnhart on the bench. They had catchers and outfielders. Um, for some reason, they did not bring an infielder on the taxi squad. Toledo was playing in Iowa, which is not all that far away from Kansas City. True. Uh, shouldn't have been hard to get someone there. Super, super confused at what was going on, and and maybe I'm missing something. So again, this is not a, a coaching staff that doesn't plan things out. I mean, they have every starting pitching scenario possible mapped out through at least the the doubleheader um, against the A's in May. 
you know, all these contingency plans are happening, and yet they played with 27 guys. They played two games where if Castro or Scope goes down, you would have been seeing, I don't know, like Jamer Candelario at short or, or I literally have no idea, and it didn't seem like there was any urgency for a solution. Ultimately inconsequential, that didn't happen, but I just thought it was very strange. Uh, so Some interesting roster management, and I think if that would have happened under, say, Ron Gardenhire's coaching staff, uh, both the media and the fans would have been like, would have made a much bigger deal out of it. So it was just odd. Well, I would probably say that listeners to this podcast have been privy to the information about Garneau being on the roster just yeah. in general. Um, and I would also say, if you'll allow me, it kind of felt like, I'm going to use another sport analogy, it kind of felt like a football move where he's questionable, he being, whether it's Baez or Grossman this past week, he's questionable and then sort of at the last second, all right, he's not playing. Like, it just kind of felt like... <sighs> I'm not saying they didn't know, but from the outside looking in, it was like, especially with Baez on the DL now, and, and Grossman, since he did come and play on Saturday, we can kind of look at this a little bit differently, but it was, it was kind of the same thing where it's like, I'm sorry, IL, IL for Baez, it's, it's also a habit for me. It, it, it kind of felt like they were kind of trying to game the system a little bit by, like, if, if he's going to be out for a week and then we're going to retroactively put him on IL, it's like, I don't know, what are you fooling? There, there's more to it, I think, than uh, than what just the Detroit Tigers PR account would put out. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it just kind of felt like a lot of last-minute stuff with the injury reports and even even Matt Manning which we can talk about even Casey Mines when when he got his you know official notice I guess for lack of a better term it just kind of felt like a lot of stuff happening at once that I would have preferred I would I would have thought that we could have had better concrete information put out in it and in a more formidable fashion i guess it 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 just kind of felt silly to play this game with Baez with a thumb injury a thumb injury and you know we all know how baseball is played like the thumb is you know you so, you, you mean, hit a ball with a, when you my, when a ball my... with a bat it hurts you know you know like you put them on il that's all i'm saying like we could have done this for me. Maybe for me, when some, my hundred and forty million dollars shortstop shows up and he's got a he's got a thumb that's jammed and it's visibly swollen, I'm saying okay, let's give this twenty four hours. And he comes in the next day, uh, and it's still swollen. I'm saying, especially in April, I'm saying, all right, uh, let's put you on the IL. Let's get this thing healed mm-hmm. up. You know, and instead that he was in this weird three or four day holding pattern and didn't get better. I feel like what was really the purpose of those last two days, I don't know. And even if you thought, you just you just hoped Javi would heal up. Javi wanted to play, probably didn't want to go in the IL. I don't know what went on behind the scenes. But that's the purpose of the taxi squad. They were doing the exact same thing with Robbie Grossman, having Daz Cameron in the building ready to go. They didn't find it necessary to do that with an infielder, and, and things could have got very bad. 
obviously the entire team was was hit with injuries, some of which uh, could be end up being more consequential. Well, how many times? How many times this week was it? Two? It was at least two, maybe three, where Baez was in the lineup at first posting twice. and then scratched twice. twice. So. I don't know. That just that, that just kind of makes me think that when you're talking about like previous regime, we 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 be crapping on them. Like this makes me think, or what are we making this as we go, making this stuff up as we go, like twice in like twice in a row. Like why would you have to do it the second time? I don't know. It just it again. Javi Baez showed us his thumbs in the uh, in the clubhouse. Like I saw it. You know, he shows his his right thumb and his left thumb. His left thumb looks normal, and his right thumb, the base of the right thumb, is super swollen. You know, I was like, it would hurt very much for him to hit with his thumb like that. You know, so he shouldn't so have been I, in the like, lineup. I don't know what was going on. I I like to think I'm missing something, but it's weird. I, I I feel like it's very optimistic to think he was going to be able to play. Is it confirmed that? He allegedly injured that during the celebration opening, or excuse me, home opener. Is that, is that? Uh, that that's what Javi Baez said. He said he, he it kind of got jammed during the celebration. He doesn't really know how. You know, things were crazy. People are slapping hands, uh, and it, it was kind of further jammed. I think in one of the games against the Red Sox, he gets jammed on a pitch, so it, you know, it's continued to kind of swell up and not heal well. Only got worse. Yeah, and you know, like as I, I actually tallied, Cody. I tallied between Boston and Kansas City. I tallied the runs scored and runs against, and you know, the Tigers are technically sitting right now below five hundred. However, this week, this week. Unless I'm missing something, twenty-two to nineteen advantage in run scored. Now, obviously, that's not everything. My my biggest thing takeaway from this week is when you're a team that, as we talked about in spring training and preseason, you know, if a couple things go your way, maybe you can, you know, maybe make a postseason or at least like a run at the postseason. When we say that. That means margins are thin. And boy, are we living right now in the margins are thin lifestyle. Because, you know, you think you're kind of alright with outfield depth before the Riley Green injury. Then Riley Green gets hurt and, you know, before the season starts. And you're like, whew, man, not as deep as I thought. And then Baez gets hurt and... You know, no offense to Harold Castro, but all of a sudden you got to see him at shortstop like every day. And you're like, woo, man, not kind of not as deep as we thought. And then, of course, the pitching injuries, which we haven't really dove into yet. But it, in a way, I want to say, yep, see, this is the problem with the short and spring training. People, maybe their bodies aren't maybe as conditioned as they normally would be. That's not to say that if this, if what we had this past spring training was normal, it would change. But given that it was different for the first time ever, 
we kind of have to maybe lump that into like a possible explanation. And then the pitching injuries, which a lot of them we don't know the extent of. Casey Mize, Matt Manning. Part of me wants to blame the short spring training. Part of me wants to say this is also baseball. And when you're a marginal team that could, and emphasis, could make a run into the postseason, you're thinking you got to have everything go right to make a postseason run. And so far this season, a lot of those things have not gone your way. So it's I bring that up to say it's remarkable in a way in a way, to be just under 500, having played the Boston Red Sox and the Kansas City Royals, and have all these injuries. In a way, it's a credit to A.J. Hinch, even though we just sort of criticized his roster construction to begin this podcast. Yeah, I I think the Tigers are kind of lucky to be 4-5 and right now, but I also think it's important to remember they played two of the best teams in the American League to start the year, and the White Sox and the Red Sox, two teams that can hit the ball, you know, a lot better than the Tigers. And, you know, they lost both those series, but they didn't get swept, like, in a way. I don't know. Show like, you didn't take that. And then they come out and they win the first two games against the Royals, and I thought, and they still played, especially, I think, that first game, uh, not the cleanest brand of baseball. Uh, but but they beat the Royals in the first two games, and I was kind of like, yeah, some of this is talent level, you know. Like I, I, the Tigers are not as good of a team as the Red Sox talent wise, and I think they are slightly better than the Royals talent wise, and I think that kind of showed. Um, obviously, they lost Game Three against the Royals, but had they played Sunday, if that day, if that game doesn't get rained out, you know, if you come away from Kansas City, you win three out of four, and you're five hundred. I think suddenly you're feeling way better about the Tigers. Uh, Injuries aside, obviously the injuries are a major concern. The last thing you want to see is Casey Mize with an elbow, and I know everyone wants to know more details, what his status is. I want to know that too. I don't have any real insight beyond uh, what we've been told, what I've already reported. Uh, He's going to undergo, you know, more tests, further evaluation. He's going to miss one start, and hopefully in the next few days, we will know more. I don't want to speculate too much because that's not really fair one way or the other, but you hear Casey Mize an elbow injury. I think it's very fair to be worried. Um, and and that's kind of where we're at. You know, your biggest offseason signing is now in the 10 day IL. You hope he makes a good recovery. Uh, we don't, Matt Manning left his start. Sounds like it was more precautionary. He's not been placed on the IL, but also kind of a weird thing where we don't super know other than he had some kind of shoulder tightness um not fun times and yeah i i would not be surprised if it's a product of the early spring training this has happened some other starting pitchers around baseball i think we all had an idea this could happen and unfortunately it has hit the tigers and it's hit uh one of their top young arms and kind of as i left that point you got to give aj hinch a lot of credit for sort of manufacturing and i use this term a lot when it comes to aj hinch because you know quite frankly the talent level isn't necessarily there uh manufacturing some marginal wins we're talking you know three to one five to three you know you only lose nine to seven you know two to four and then you know two to one and then you kind of drop a three one he is 
still pressing the right buttons and I could, God, I couldn't imagine what if we could get unfiltered AJ Hinch when Matt Manning has shoulder discomfort. <laughs> we we had some fun uh if you follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen if you feel so inclined to follow me on Twitter at Kieran underscore Steckley. You know, I had a little fun with Jack Morris being like, well, I've had the right shoulder discomfort for 20, <laughs> you know, 20 years or whatever the hell he said. Um, so I guess that, I guess I can leave. I guess, you know? I guess I, I, I guess basically I thought that was pretty insulting to Matt Manning. It wasn't like it was Matt Manning's call to leave that game. Yes. And, and, and I put on Twitter, it's like, you know, Jack Morris used to watch, walk the tiger stadium in the knee deep snow uphill both ways because that's that's just how the older generation looks at everything is that the younger generation has it so easy um but what are you supposed to do if you're aj you know like credit to him he has made a lot of the right moves his lineups have been very suitable and i don't know i just like when we're spending a lot of this podcast right now kind of complaining about all the things that have gone wrong, and it's a, and it's a team that's 4-5 and five against some pretty good opponents to start the season. You know, shout-out A.J. Hitch. Yeah, He's I, think, I think I was a little fired up against the uh, – I think I was a little fired up about the roster stuff, but it's still far too early to draw any overarching conclusions. In terms of the positive stuff, big shout-out to this bullpen front and back. I mean, after Chafin oh, sure. goes down – Funkhauser and Cisnero and the bullpen's been leaned on heavily and it is held not only held together the bullpen has pitched very well you've had guys like Elvin Rodriguez and Drew Hutchinson eat some innings for you you've had Joe Jimenez Joe's been really good filled a valuable bridge role the other night how good is we haven't talked about Jimenez in a while how do we classify how good he's been because that was a guy that we've written off and I'm not trying to overhype him, but he has been key early in the season just because he's had to be, you know, like he's, he's had well, to be. Well, I, w- I was going to leave it. I was going to leave it surface level and we could all feel happy and good about Joe. If I'm going <laughs> to go deeper into Joe, like, I, like, um, number one, I think he's, he, you know, with Funkhauser's kind of that guy who would pitch kind of the sixth and get the ball to the back end, to Fulmer, to Soto. They didn't have that guy. And so it was kind of like, all right, who are, all right, well, we'll, we'll try Joe. And, you know, Joe, sometimes he goes out there and you're holding your breath. You're thinking, is he going to walk three eyes? Is he going to give up a bomb? He hasn't done that. He's, uh, he's thrown well. I think his stuff has had a lot of life on it. His fastball is getting really good ride through the zone. Um, now at the same time in his last outing, he left a few center cut pitches that just didn't get hit. And in his last two outings, he's only thrown two non fastballs. He's been like 80% fastball, which it's worked. I talked to Joe about this and he said, I'm going to keep throwing it until they hit it. And my thought was like, talk to you next week. You might regret that after they hit it, you know, you might want to plan ahead to like keep them from hitting the fastball. Uh, so I want to see a little more, but overall Joe has come through huge and they get, they gave him, AJ gave him the eighth inning, um, you know, the other night in KC and it was kind of like with the lead and I'm just like, 
This is one of those games, old Joe, you could just see him falling apart and suddenly the Royals take an eighth inning lead. He didn't do that. He pumped fastballs, mostly in the zone. He missed some bats. Uh, Joe deserves a lot of credit. The bullpen deserves a lot of credit. I think this lineup, you got to get some bats hot a little bit. The Tigers are not hitting the ball well. They're not stringing together uh, hits. I think they're at bats. We're a little better than especially in the White Sox series. But credit where credit is due to a young man known as Spencer Torkelson. Yes. Suddenly, uh, numbers-wise, through nine games, like other than Austin Meadows, probably your best hitter. He's got two home runs, obviously one monster bomb this week. Uh, I think Torque is starting to see the ball well. So again, one week after people were like panicking over Torque, suddenly it's like, this guy's hitting the ball as well as anyone in your lineup. Well, okay, so I was going to bring up Torkelson later, but we, we can kind of go into it just a little bit now. What did we preach last week? We preached trusting the process and if we were we were in if we were to classify how he's done since we last talked it would be this is the process fulfilled not to say that he's been you know out of this world or whatever but i didn't see any change other than once he got his hit and then his home run like you know it was there was a relaxation element but in terms of his plate approach I didn't see any change this past week, and he's he 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 has barreled the ball. You know he has looked. He, he's slowly kind of creeping up the lineup. I can tell AJ sort of like rewarding slash not trying to put too much pressure on him. You know, kind of inching him up a spot. Played some really good defense at first. Very good defense. It was definitely an ex- definitely an example of. The process will fulfill for Spencer Torkelson. And look, it was great to see him on Friday night get that go-ahead home run. I loved, I guess I would call it controlled emotion, where it was, you know, you hit the go-ahead home run, you're emotional about it, and you ruin any sort of complaint from the other team by strictly going to your own bench with a little hype up and then going around. Uh, I thought I, 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 I've loved what I've seen from Sp- Spencer this past week. Yeah. Shout out. Okay. Here's a good AJ Hinch thing. AJ's uh, he said he loved the emotion from Spencer. He's letting the guys wear Javi and Jamer wear some orange spikes. And it was revealed that uh, I'd never really noticed this before. Eduardo Rodriguez pitched um, against Boston wearing an earring. Something Alex Cora did not allow him to do. AJ's letting the guys wear their earrings. Eduardo, Javi, you've seen some of these guys. You know, the, I believe Miggy. he did that opening day, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he did. And I was just like, oh, like, AJ lets them wear earrings. Not all managers do that. So, shout out. You know, let them have fun, be themselves, play with some emotion. I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the injury thing dominates the conversation, but... We also got to see a lot of the Baez like energy, and I and I let me let me ask you that this way: Is there an impact of Javier Baez with his like emotion, the way he plays the game? It, do you think if Baez isn't on the team, does Spencer sort of look at the dugout and sort of like hype up? Does he, you know does he bang the bat? 
you know, when he strikes out in a key moment, like, is that sort of Baez's energy percolating through the lineup, or, you know, like, I don't, I just don't want to focus on the negative of the Baez injury, I, you know, there's some positive there, too, because even technically post-injury, if you believe, when he first got it hurt, uh, you know, he did have some positive moments. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've talked about spring training of the Tigers having an energetic vibe. I don't think that's one guy. I think some of that comes from the coaching staff. They're all energetic. I think they let the guys be themselves. You have some big personalities like Miguel, like Javi, who are naturally going to bring that more out of people. Uh, and you have Akil, who's who's actually kind of quieter than I would have thought just being in the clubhouse every day. But on the field, Akil plays with a lot of energy, a lot of passion. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely – something that is encouraged and can be contagious for this team. Well, speaking of things that are hopefully encouraging, um, I felt a whole of a lot better about my bold prediction preseason about Tarek Skubal, uh with his, mo- <laughs> <laughs> with his most recent start at... Uh, uh, against the Royals, uh, I don't want to get too far into some pitching stuff because I I, I want to hold that for for a later podcast. But just the look of him, uh, I I did love some of the things you put on Twitter about you know whether some of his pitches were intentional or not, and and maybe you can shed some light on maybe you can <laughs> shed some light on that that little context. Uh, it, he was definitely second start. It appeared, it appeared he had some more purposeful pitches. And you asked him about it, and he was like, yes, it was intentional. The context of seeing him, was it? Was he just sort of like telling you that, or was or was he sincere? Um, I'm not real sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Spencer left a lot of sliders elevated uh, I, I posted the chart like a lot a lot and they did not get hit and they were hard sliders coming in around like 90 um and dan dickerson on the radio was like oh he's doing this intentionally that you know it's almost like a cutter and i asked Tarek about it post game i'm like you know you were kind of attacking guys with elevated sliders was that an intentional part of your plan and first he goes absolutely not <laughs> He's like laughing, acting like he got away with it. And he's like, no, write it down. Intentional. Yes. So I got the sense he was joking. But I was also like, I don't know. And then I went back and looked at the chart. I'm like, man, I don't know that you accidentally throw this many elevated sliders. And it almost reminded me again of the Casey Mize game against the Astros last year where his splitter was suddenly acting like a... pitch to contact change up and we asked him about it after the game and he completely like denied that that was intentional but I'm pretty sure it was intentional and uh some of that resonated with the Scooble thing I I think Scooble probably got away with a few of those pitches whether it was intentional or not he left some kind of center cut elevated sliders that just didn't get hit but other than that Scooble was phenomenal he was working quick he was spotting up the fastball um, he did throw some very good sliders, mix in some timely curveballs, looked like the power pitcher that I was talking about last week that is Tarek Skubal at his best. And I think there must have been some kind of sit down with Tucker Barnard and Skubal, and it was like, 
what happened first time out? Why were you throwing all these change-ups? The pitch usage was way different. He leaned heavily, heavily on the slider. Helped that he spotted his fastball, was able to get himself in more leverage counts. Uh, but I thought the game was called much better behind the plate. And obviously, Tarek executed his pitches really well. Definitely showed you just how good he can be when he's at his best. Speaking of somebody who is a young player, didn't necessarily have the greatest first week. Not necessarily the same thing with school, but we're still kind of having the same conversation. But you wrote about him this week, Akil Badu. I'm looking at it right now. He's batting a healthy... Point zero eight seven. It's uh, well. it's not not necessarily ideal. He's got, I don't know what officially are called errors in center field, but he has some. Let me just call them misplays in center field. You you wrote about him this week essentially like the the transformation of phenom. Cool to be here to. Now he's here. What's next? What do you make of a of a keel start to the season? Because uh, this is not me doubting what his impact could be, but there's also no getting around. It's a struggle to start the year. Yeah, and I think I like a day after I wrote about him, he had arguably his worst game of the season. Misplayed a couple more balls in center. Had some had some at bats where he just looked kind of lost. He showed some good things in the Red Sox series. Got a hit off a lefty. Got his first home run. I was like, okay, maybe Akil's figuring it out. Then in KC, uh, did not look very good. Number one, uh, been trying to say this, like Akil, unfortunately, he's just not a center fielder. He's fast, but there's more to fielding than being fast. He just doesn't get very good reads off the bat. Um, I know they've worked with him a lot on his pre-pitch preparation, so I don't know if that's still it or not, but he, you know, um, guys, just not a center fielder, man. It's, it's a problem for this team, a big effect of the Riley Green injury. You just don't have a center fielder. And then at the plate, um, you know, I don't know. He's, he's had a couple good at bats, but sometimes the swing gets long. He's known for a pl- pretty good plate approach, but I think he's been a little jumpy to start the season. Um, I know you were going to bring this up, but as, as Craig Monroe was pointing out on the radio, he was kind of behind fastballs and ahead of breaking balls. Looked like some of his swings were either chopping down on the ball or like overly um, kind of swinging up. He, you know, he just doesn't look like he's ever found a great rhythm. I was wondering if he'd find that after he did a couple nice things against the Red Sox, but that proved to not be the case. Um, you know, I think at the plate, I would love to see Akil just get more ABs, get in a rhythm. He's been put in some tough spots against some tough lefties as well. You know, he faced Jake Diekman. He's He's been put in some tough spots. I think the, the problem ahead is the Tigers really need help in the outfield, in center field. And does that come at Akil's expense, especially if he's not hitting? I mean, I'm talking when Derek Hill returns or, uh, I don't know, 
you know, about Daz Cameron, but I think he's probably a slightly better defensive player than Akeel. There was always this notion that, like, it's possible Akeel could see some time in AAA this year. And I always thought he was a lock to make the opening day roster. I think he can still be one of your more um, valuable offensive contributors. But especially given the way things are shaken up right now, like, that is not out of the realm of possibility. At the same time, nine games. Um, I, I hope he gets a little longer to figure things out at the plate. Because he's, he's a talented player. He puts some good swings on the ball when he connects. Yeah, and and I just want the record to state that I'm in favor of giving him more looks. I'm not trying to say bumping down the AAA right now. I'm not trying to say anything like that. Because, I don't know. I tried, and this is actually kind of relevant to the Spencer Torkelson discussion. I look more at approach than results this early mm-hmm. on, and yeah, as you should. I don't have any problems with Akil's approach. Like, you know, like he's not connecting as much as obviously we would expect. And if you look at his left versus left-handers in spring training, it was. You know, it's limited, obviously, but, you know, it made you think that he was going to make the jump right away. It hasn't happened. That's fine. Um, but I, I'm still a fan of his approach. And to be honest, I don't. You're in you're in a situation right now where you, you just got to let it play out to a certain extent with with the green injury and. Lord, you know, all these other injuries going on. I No offense to Daz Cameron, I'm going to err on the side of giving Akil more looks. I'm going to err on the side of giving him more center field time. Oh, I would too. You know? I don't know what you do in center field. Uh, I think that's a real... I mean, I think I think Victor Reyes is a better center fielder than Akil. You know, and Akil doesn't really have the arm for right. I think, I think probably the solution is a little more Austin Meadows in right field, maybe Victor in center. That would be my solution. But I definitely want to still give uh, Akil looks at the plate. I think it's too early to totally freak out. I just wanted to forecast, like, there's a world in which Akil getting a little breather could happen if this thing extends for a couple more weeks. Um, I do think his swing looks better against lefties. You know, I think I think some of the work he's done there has paid off. Um, whether it translates into more results, we'll see. But it looks better, you know. It looks like he's more capable of driving the ball against left-handers. But it, but it's been a tough start for Mister Badu, no doubt. Well, about that. well, well. By the way, like that is something that AJ Hinch would be taking into account had the mm-hmm. full deck been available. Is that Badu probably would have played a handful of less games at this point if there weren't some injury concerns around him. I was going to ask, so there's not really a lot of a point to talking about Riley Green, but what do you think? Let me pose this to you. Do you think the Tigers miss Riley Green as a center fielder and how the defense alignment can be arranged? more or do you think they miss his bat in the lineup <laughs> more well, this is a good question because the lineup's not uh, giving you a lot of thump 
but I'm going to go defense. Look, we, we talked all off. Well, the Tigers are going to be so much improved up the middle. Up the middle defense is going to be so much better. Well, right now, obviously because of injury, you don't have a center fielder. And now Javi Baez is hurt. And you know who they called up after they finally called someone up? They called up Willie Castro. Had they played Sunday, there's a good chance we were going to witness Willie Castro starting at shortstop in a major league game in 2022. And that concerns me because I thought we were past that. And injuries have put you in this situation. But if you're looking at Willie Castro in center and Akil or even Victor, um, you know, Willie Castro at short and even Akil and Victor in center, like that's not really what you're going for on a team that's trying to contend for the playoffs. Uh, I think this team has shown it can scrap together some runs when needed. It'd be great. It'd be huge to have Riley's bat in the lineup. But overall, I think uh, the defense just worries me. I'm glad you brought up Willie Castro because I did want to say briefly, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about bringing up Willie Castro in this situation. I, I say that knowing all the flaws i say that knowing exactly what we all watched last year um which you know if i wanted to be very very positive i would think back to the beginning of last spring training but that was a long time ago with it still being april i'm cool bring up the guy with some major not some a good chunk, a good chunk of major league experience, and if we want to go there to a switch hitter, forever that's however that's worth, you know, like you know that's something I guess. If it was June, if it was July, I might change my tune and be like, why don't we give Cody Clemens a try? Uh, let's get Zach Short up here. You know, we know at least he'll play some pretty you know dang good defense, and he's got some pop in his bat, but. When we're thinking about just a, you know, what hopefully is a couple of games and then kind of figure it out from there, I'm cool bringing Willie Castro up here. Uh, Like, I think the circumstance kind of dictates that's an okay move. I'm not saying it's great. I just think it's an okay move. I I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. That, that, that's just my diatribe right there. I think what you need is someone capable of playing shortstop defense. I think that's ultimately what the whole the Tigers needed to That's fair. Fill. Um so I think that let me let me see if I can kind of frame this like from a philosophical point of view. I think the best player in AAA capable of playing shortstop defense, the best overall all-around player is Ryan Kreidler. So what happened to bringing up the best dudes? Well, Kreidler He's young, and he's not on the 40-man roster. To put up, put Kreider on the team, they'd have to DFA someone. Okay, so let's talk about who was not brought up to play shortstop defense. Zach Short. Zach Short, pretty good defender. Yeah. His, his, at the plate, he wasn't very good at all last year. But he can draw some walks. Got a little bit of pop. If you think Zach Short is not good enough to be the guy you call up when you need someone to help you at short, at shortstop, then why are you afraid of losing him via being DFA'd? And I don't want Zach Short to get DFA'd. I like Zach Short. Number one, he's a fantastic quote. 
Uh, I like some things about his game, but it seems as though the reason for not making a move on Kreidler is, well, we don't want to lose someone. But it seems like a couple of the names who you don't want to lose are people you're not comfortable calling up anyway. So I don't think that makes any sense. That's fair. And again, I just kind of emphasize the time of year element of it. Sure. What, what, and, maybe, sure. I don't know. Is that, is how relevant is that? I don't know. But that, that was sort of my thought process where it's like, all right, look, we, we're in a pinch here. Let, 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 let's get somebody who's got, and you know, admittedly, Zach plays to that, but maybe they were thinking, if we got to throw Willie in the outfield, I guess we got to throw Willie in the outfield. Maybe that was part of it. You know, I don't know. Like, yeah, that could have been. Uh, I just, obviously, we didn't see him play today. We're recording this on Sunday night. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, happy Passover. Happy Ramadan to those who celebrate as well. It's just, it just, it, to me, it kind of seemed like this was the easier thing. And like I said, if this was, even if it was May, if it was later and we had some more AAA at bats, and I don't know. Uh, another thing that people need to sort of like realize and we don't do a good enough job of this as sports followers and sports fans with really anything whether it be all-star teams hall of fame roster cuts all right so you the general person wants Kreidler up so who you dfa so you know what I mean? Like the, the I, these are things. I, I I think I just spelled that out. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So like these are things that have to be taken into consideration, and it you're looking you're looking at the pitching situation. You're probably just looking for the easy solution on the infield because you might have to, you know, lose somebody in a certain uh, in another situation. Uh, we're gonna see. This week, Cody, we're going to see uh, Peralta, Pineda, you know, we're going to, we're going to get the stretch, I would say, of the pitching depth. Does this, and I hope this isn't the case for like Casey or Matt Manning, if they have, I, I really obviously hope they don't have serious injuries. This is just something that kind of popped in my head as I was thinking today. Does this help or hurt the case for taking Jackson Job? Because I could be... This is a very, very small talking point. I could be talked either way because you always need more pitching, right? You always would like to have top-level talent at pitching in your system. But, man, just one little thing and things could go awry. I... I just I I was thinking, man. Well, I I see why they drafted Jackson Job, and then I thought, literally ten seconds later, no, that's why you don't draft Jackson Job because you need to. You're you're betting too much on something that is so whimsical. Do you see what I'm saying? Like uh, this week taught me. I, I I literally had the the angel, the demon, whichever side you want to go on. I'm not taking the side sort of talking in both my ears about the philosophy of drafting Jackson Job this week with all the pitching injuries. Does that make sense? I'll just say I watched Jackson Job's one inning in Class A Lakeland, and I watched Jackson Job in minicamp, and I've talked to a few people about Jackson Job, and I think the stuff is very much as advertised. I think the polish is not. 
he was kind of sold as like, well, not only is he a high school pitcher with crazy spin rates and high velocity, he's incredibly advanced for a high school pitcher. He's more advanced than Josh Beckett. He can command his stuff. I haven't really seen that so far. He looks to me very much like a dude with some crazy stuff that could strike out any high school hitter imaginable and has a lot to go before he becomes a, a major league pitcher. And that's not even to knock him or, or, or to say his ceiling isn't still incredibly high, but it's like the world in which you felt good about that pick was being sold on how polished he is, and I think that might have been... It was either exaggerated or it just hasn't shown up yet for Mr. Job this year. Um, so I think that, more than any other circumstances, is like... This is this is what you got at number three, like this, like the guy who. I don't know. Um, still plenty of time for it to work out. I still, I still think Jackson Job has crazy stuff, very good stuff, super high ceiling. Uh, but so far, I um, hope to see him look a little more advanced than he has. So this is our first. So for being Keith Law. Yes. Keith Law, keeping him out of the okay. top 100. That, that, that was my question because, again, running <laughs> gag, we're going to do this every, you know, throughout the year. Is he inside or outside the top 100? So right now we're keeping him outside. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think we got to give Austin Meadows a little do real quick, Cody. I I, I was talking to a couple His buddies of mine. was like 9,000. Yeah, well, I, I was I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine. I was like, you know, Meadows been kind of a godsend for this lineup. First of all, he's available. I mean, that's that's uh, one thing. Second of all, made some nice defensive plays. And third of all, I mean, he's he's been as re- I would say more reliable than anybody else. I I think that. I don't really have a grand point here. I just think, like, if if I'm looking at the Tigers and what their record is, and I don't know if it directly translates, but I'm like, man, thank God they got Austin Meadows because I don't know what what I don't know how they're constructing lineups and what they're doing, you know, without him. To be honest, batting four seventeen so far, and he seems to make timely plays over and over. They. They've needed him so far a lot. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I really like Austin Meadows. I think he's a great, great addition to this lineup. We talked about how similar he is in approach to kind of Robbie Grossman. Uh, at the same time, his BABIP is 556. He's had like a remarkable number of weekly hit balls fall in. So I figure that's probably going to correct itself soon. Uh, but he draws a lot of walks, which I love. He hasn't hit for power yet. Uh, I also imagine that will start showing up soon. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to hit 417 all year. But overall, like, yeah, you, you make a strong point. Take Austin Meadows away from this lineup, and it's like, well, think, th- things, could be, things could be a lot more dark than they are, no doubt. Well, a lot more dark, and then just, like, how much more difficult for A.J. Hinch. I mean, there was a... There are many a times this week where I was like, man, this guy, this guy being AJ Hinch, I was like, how are you dealing with this? <laughs> with this? 
with the injuries in and out of the lineup, and then you know, the, you know, and then just the pitching injuries and having to rely on your bullpen. Shout out Drew Hutchinson, by the mm-hmm. way, who, who who who's had some really nice. Shout out the bullpen in general. Uh, I I said this last week, Cody, and I think it was. I I think I was being a little a little too optimistic. And maybe I am. Maybe I still am. But they've exceeded my expectations, this bullpen. Like, especially being called on in situations where pitchers are getting hurt and having to come in key spots. Fulmer got to save. Soto has looked good. He hasn't looked great, but he's looked good. And, you know, Hutchison, Vess has had his moments. Like, Foley's been a little up and down. Like, these are guys that if I said... In February, you're gonna have to rely on these arms to get a, just a couple wins. I would have said we would have had long podcasts, <laughs> you know, and and we don't have to talk about them all that much. And I think that's a little bit of a comment. There, these guys are kind of like, sorry, Cody, sort of like the offensive line of of baseball, where it's like if we talk about them, like maybe it's a bad thing somewhat but we haven't had to make that a major talking point i think that's a good thing i and and also credit to aj for calling the right buttons they haven't been perfect but they've made some they've made some crucial pitches in crucial situations yeah i think i already gave my spiel on the bullpen so i don't have any anything more to add but um been clutch been much better than expected so i have a aj hinch suggestion box this week that I feel confident in because last week, if people will recall, I said, you know, what about batting Austin Meadows leadoff? Now at the time I said switching Grossman and he did that when Grossman was out with injury, but technically still happened victory lap i'm gonna say meadows bang leadoff i like it that was my suggestion and it happened well i i don't want to burst your bubble too much but meadows oh, gets oh, oh god meadows gets penciled in there at leadoff you know because grossman was out and pre-game i ask aj you know meadows has been here like eight days uh how comfortable are you just writing him in the leadoff spot and and that was kind of a little nod to you, you know. And I know AJ had heard the pod. Shout out AJ. AJ is what I also take it a nod to you was like, well, it's just because Grossman's not in there. That's how he started his answer. First thing he said, it was like, <laughs> Kieran, you're not allowed to brag too much. But yes, Austin's great and he gives us good at bats. This was, this was clearly, he did not want you taking your victory lap too much on this podcast. I'll take a half lap, a half <laughs> okay. victory lap. Because, you know, Grossman could have gotten hurt any other week, but it happened. And then he did come back, so I'm not taking light of injury. In terms of lineup construction, I know there's a lot that goes into it. So this is kind of serious, but also a little tongue-in-cheek. I just don't really like having Akil Badu batting behind Miguel Cabrera. (laughs) Because, because, obviously we know what Akil can do on the base pass. And if he gets one in the gap, dude is going. He going. 
Cabrera, you know, has had a pretty good start to the season. He had a pretty good start to the season. If Cabrera gets on first and Badu's at bat, I'm thinking he's not getting more than two bases, no matter where he hits the ball, unless it's out of the park. Like that, <laughs> that's where I'm thinking. It's just like he, he he will lap Miguel, who, as we've joked about on this podcast, is not in the best shape of his life. Um, I just, I just don't want arguably your fastest guy behind Miguel in the lineup because, especially if it's a player who is capable of gapping something and turning two into three or one to two. It's a little different one the two, but you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I just get nervous about Miguel running in general. Well, we, certainly we haven't don't even want talked him. about his it, remarkable slide into home, tagging up on a shallow fly ball. Come on. Well, well, yes, which was, uh, I would say a poor decision. We've, <laughs> we've, we talked about Miguel running when he shouldn't many a times. And I remember thinking literally at that, well, as it was happening, I was like, all right, just fly out. Wait, wait, yep. wait, wait, wait. He's yep. running? Uh, <laughs> oh, the throw beat him. Oh, he's safe. You know, like I, like that was literally my thought process. I was like, I don't, I think I, I, I told my wife, Alexa, I was like, I don't know if I would have been comfortable with basically anybody running <laughs> on that ball, you know, and, and, and Miguel ended up going. But I just, I just, I just don't want arguably your fastest player batting right behind arguably your, your your slowest player i should say batting behind in front of your fastest player i just i i know there's a lot that goes into it but if you can avoid it i would love to avoid it, it happened multiple times this week um it'll help you a lot if you can continue to bump up spencer torkelson maybe hit spencer behind miguel put uh keel behind spencer i think that works out yeah so let's go with that my suggestion box Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think the Tigers are starting to come around on something I suggested last season, and brought it up again last week. Why are we trying to replace Tyler Alexander? Uh, the Mize injury, unfortunately, means Tyler's definitely staying in the rotation. But I think it's going to be a little more of a competition between Alexander and Pineda to see who remains. I'm assuming Casey Mize returns in a somewhat timely fashion. So I hope that's the case because let's look at your starting five so far this season. Who would you say most often consistently attacks hitters in the strike zone? Tyler. It's Tyler Alexander. It's the guy we're trying to kick out of the rotation. He's the only guy who consistently Mm -hmm. throws strikes and goes after hitters. Love it. Uh, But my suggestion for this week Based off some of my roster uh, grievances, man, I think it, it might be a good idea to pull the plug on the three-catcher thing while you still can. Mm-hmm. I like it in theory, especially if you have a lot of faith in Haas. I get it. Uh, but you're kind of sacrificing a lot of options on your roster, such as, I don't know, a utility infielder. Basically, so you can have Dustin Garneau catch like every fifth day. And Garneau does a good job. He's a serviceable guy. I get why you wouldn't want to lose him. But is it really worth what you are sacrificing to keep Garneau around? I think this week in the Baez injury showed very much that 
that's kind of a tough sell. If everyone's healthy in an ideal world, maybe you can get by with it. The reality of a 162-game season, rarely is everyone going to be healthy. Rarely are you going to have an ideal world. I think when two of your bench spots are occupied by Haas and Garneau, you have Miggy, who's basically DH only. I think I, I think you just handcuff yourself um, way too much. I think maybe we need to admit that that's just not the right thing for this team. You know, it's uh, funny you say that. I believe it was Saturday? Was it Saturday where Haas and Daz, like, collided yes. in the... Yes. So... <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I, was, I, was, I watched that play with a lot of nervousness, obviously, as you see him kind of going, you know, toward the ball. And um, I, was, I, I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, there's probably not a lot of reps that those two have had as left fielder and center fielder. So they probably don't have that good of a chemistry when it comes to, like, who calls off who and you know and and all that stuff and to you know i i say that to add to your point is that is that really what you want right now maybe it's okay for now but i i think we would all say that this three catcher thing has an expiration date does it not just generally speaking even like it was i feel like it was kind of intended they weren't gonna go the whole season with three catchers you know like that was it just kind of felt like this was something to do for now and that the now was sort of like a indefinite thing until sort of like had to make a move it just kind of felt like something that was not going to be sustainable that was my interpretation of it the entire time i think it's already passed i think it's in the stage like you're at like some cheese or some bread that you it's past the expiration date you know but yeah you don't want to go to the store. You kind of glance it over. There's no visible mold. You know, you kind of take a tiny bite. and No, it still tastes normal. It's clearly got a couple more days before it's, like, actually bad. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're at with the catcher thing. Um, but to go back to being positive, quick shout out. You know who's pretty good in left field right now? Eric Haas. Starting to look a lot more comfortable. He's got an outfield assist, a couple yeah. nice catches. Technically, it's nine games. Defensive run saved is meaningless through nine games, but he is, uh, I believe, plus one in left field. Shout out, Eric Haas. Yep, shout out. And you know, I was watching. Uh, I was watching when he had that. You know, threw a guy out of home and and I by a mile, and I was like, well, that's a catcher. They probably maybe they shouldn't have run on him, but they probably thought he's on an outfielder. Yeah. Most people could have thrown him out. <laughs> but, well, I mean, they you know, they still decide to run on the boy. But it was a nice play. Yeah, they still decide to run on him. Uh, let, let's wrap up with this, Cody. So you were just in Kansas City. Um, you were giving sort of an analogy of a, of a food review. You have any? <laughs> we we know we know how you feel about KC barbecue. You got anything to get off your chest right here as we wrap up? Why? Well, Kansas City Barbecue is like the, I don't even know what, play, you know, some player who's just vastly overhyped and never, like, actually, isn't just actually that good. Uh, I, I go to Gates Barbecue. I'd never been to Gates before. I'd been to pretty much all the other big name KC places. And I'm like, maybe I heard more people saying good things about Gates. It's a little more of kind of like an old school place. 
It's like, maybe Gates is going to be the place that I actually like. Go in there. I didn't, their menu was weird. It was hard to just order like a, like two or three meat, like combo plate. So I could kind of sample everything. Uh, they kind of yell at you while you're trying to order. I guess that's supposed to be like part of the restaurant's charm, but it's like, I was, I was trying to just like figure out what to get. And this lady's like yelling at me. And she's not making eye contact while yelling at me. That was really the thing. I couldn't actually tell if she was addressing me. Right. Uh, you know, that was really the thing that got me. And so then I was just like, I don't know, like, give me some sausage because I was I was stressed out ordering. I got the sausage and it was like, it's kind of like cafeteria food. It was like weird. I, I don't know. It was not that good. I did like their sauce. Sauce was pretty good. It had some spice to it. I would buy their barbecue sauce. Overall, Gates didn't like it. Uh, went to Jack Stack with Alec Lewis. What Saturday night? Alec Lewis covers the Royals for the Athletic. I'd been to Jack Stack before. Thought it was incredibly dry the first time I ever went there. And it's more of like a sit down, like almost a little too upscale to even like be a barbecue joint. It was better than the first time I had it. The meat was a little more moist, but I was like, this is. It's the most average barbecue I've ever had. Like, it is nothing to, you know, Slows in Detroit, like, is a million times better. Um, I didn't go to Joe's, you know, Tigers, people were like, oh, go to Joe's. Like, I've been to Joe's. I think Joe's is very dry and not very good. Uh, Texas barbecue remains superior by far. There you go. There you go. You can't have uh, can't have a trip to Kansas City without a little barbecue review, you know. And some people yeah, are trying to hype And I still went for as much as I, I, yeah, get, yeah, get, get out, get, miss me with that. I mean, it's probably better than Kansas City. I'm, um, I've never had authentic Carolina barbecue, like, in Carolina. And I must say, I still eat barbecue in Kansas City because I generally do like all barbecue. And it gives me something to, like, complain about. Uh, but you know what? Before your wedding, I went to Hutchins in Texas. It was very good. And they give you free banana pudding and, uh, like, peach cobbler. There wasn't no free dessert at any of these places I went to in Kansas City. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Shout out Hutchins. Shout out Texas Barbecue. And if you ever get the opportunity, shout out, potentially, Carolina Barbecue. We'll see. Vinegar is for clean, as you said on Twitter, at Cody Stavagan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Anything you want to tease, Cody, for the upcoming week? Um, no, Miguel Cabrera closing in on three thousand hits. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a nice Miggy story or two whenever we get there. Would not be surprised if it is before our next episode. Well, I selfishly was kind of hoping because you know he had that three for three day or three for four or whatever it was, and I was like, oof, is. <laughs> Anyway, you gonna make a play for that in Kansas City? Um, I hope he gets it in Detroit. Obviously, he didn't get to do that with the 500 home run mark, and I hope you were able to witness it because obviously you weren't in Toronto last year. And just you know, we'll have a podcast whenever he gets 3,000 hits. That's part of why we did not talk that much about Miguel Cabrera because we got. We'll, we'll have an episode whenever he reaches 3,000 hits. Very much likely this week. Hopefully this week. So 
Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, who subscribes on Apple and Spotify. Those who follow on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Tigers, making it work so far. Making it work. Probably not sustainable, but sort of manufacturing wins here and there. And, you know, there's there's some positives to be taken from that. Hopefully the injuries are not long-term at all, especially with the pitching. So we'll talk about it all next week. Big series coming up. Yankees, homestand, all that stuff. Be a lot of fun. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have an amazing week.